Today we begin Welcome a brand new series Church. for the month of July. For the latest updates, visit us and at nowchurch.com, including ready. live or on-demand I gotta be very careful online the last few weeks, and much more. Facebook has and don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, our, our including feed. Facebook and Instagram. And, and kept please our use stuff the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's Because service. of the videos we showed that were not copywritten, and they were not trademarked. And yet they're, 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 they're trying to censure churches for every little thing. <clears throat> so I'm calling this, I gotta be careful because Michael Buffer has a trademark on the actual slogan, which I will not say. But some of you have those little robot vacuum cleaners. So let's call it ready to Roomba. In case Facebook wants to, yeah, mess with us. Anyway, here we go. Exodus chapter 17 is where we're going to begin in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Pardon me. And 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In the New Testament, Exodus 17 verse 8 says this. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go fight. Go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, before the pronouns, went up to the top of the hill. Three people got that joke. Anyway, <clears throat> Hur was a hymn. Anyway, <clears throat> and Hur wasn't she. Hur wasn't they. Her was him, or he. <clears throat> That's my barista at Starbucks had on their name tag. Verse 11, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. You ever tried to hold your hands up for more than five minutes or more than 30 seconds? It's hard to do. Moses held his hand up, but they became heavy. So they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword the prevailing prayer empowered the sword. The prevailing prayer empowered the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Finally, 2 Corinthians chapter two says this in verse 10. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. This is the context. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Verse 11, here it is. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Let's pray one more time. Father, what we need in this world and what we need as your people is your word, your spirit, igniting revelation knowledge inside of us. Speak to us a now word, a fresh word that changes us 
and shifts us from where we've been to where you want us to be. In Jesus' name, open the eyes of our heart and give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, in case you haven't noticed it, there's a clashing in the invisible realm. There's a battle raging in the spirit right now all around us between the angelic forces of God and the demonic hordes of hell and the soul of America is at stake. Millions of people hang in the balance in what happens in the next couple of years in our nation. I don't think I'm overstating that fact. The last few years have been filled with a series of breakthroughs and setbacks. Breakthroughs and setbacks. Every time God has intervened with his mighty power, it seems like the forces of hell, the forces of darkness have tried to swoop in and snatch the victory out of it. Often when you have a breakthrough in one area of your life, the enemy tries to ambush you while you're celebrating like a sudden scorpion sting while you're having a party. And this is exactly what happened in the story of the unprovoked attack of the Amalekites against the children of Israel and the resulting battle. Rephidim was the place where the newly freed people of God crossed over, went to the waters of Meribah and had bitter waters. They got to the next place in the desert and in this outpost in the desert, suddenly they had no water. And the people began to cry out immediately and blame their leaders, blame the people and get mad at God. Every time they got under pressure, they turned against Moses. And Moses sought God for a strategy. He said, what do I do? We're in the desert now. I don't see an oasis, but you said you'd provide for this people. What are you going to do? And God said, don't be afraid. Find the rock and strike it with the rod of God. And when he did, water came gushing out. Now, unless you have um, a wrong picture in your brain, this is kind of what, my picture in my brain was this that, the, that the, the rock was there and water came out and the people lined up and they each came up and got a little drink out of the fountain and they went on. But if you read the full account of the scriptures, that's not what happened at all. And I didn't even realize it. I just, I just kind of never really thought through it. This is three, approximately three million people going through the desert and the Bible says that they didn't stand in line to get a little drink and fill up their Yeti cups. This was a breakthrough of monumental proportion. When he struck the rock, a river of water came out of the rock. And not only that, the New Testament says that the rock went with them through the desert. That the river flowed everywhere they walked there's the river in a desert. This is what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 43 about the past and the future when he said, God will make rivers in your desert. He's already done it once in this point. I'll prove it to you from scripture in a moment. 
But when he struck the rock, we're reminded in the New Testament that that rock was Christ. A pre-incarnate encounter with Christ before his name was Jesus. Showing that Jesus, the son of God, would have to be struck by the rod of God at the cross to pour himself out for everyone. Not a few people to get a little drink, but the fountain of forgiveness and cleansing for all people whosoever will believe. At the cross, Jesus poured himself out to save, to refresh, and to strengthen all of his people, just like he did them. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 from the message describes it this way about the Old Testament. It says, and they all ate and drank identical food and drink, meals provided daily by God, manna. They drank from the rock, God's fountain for them that stayed with them wherever they were and that rock was Christ. The rock was portable, not just potable. Only the teachers of English get that joke. Talk about a breakthrough. And suddenly the storyline changes. If it were a movie, this would be the moment where you'd hear the music shift from light and joyful to ominous and heavy. Because the Bible says that once they all got their drink, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. The word Amalek means literally in Hebrew, valley dweller, or those who live in the low places, or lowlifes. Amalek was part of the family of Esau, and here it was a cousin, a cousin nation, attacking the children of Israel, right when they're getting a breakthrough of monumental proportions. At the height of their emotional lift and refreshing or revival of themselves, the descendants of Esau attacked the descendants of Jacob for no reason except fear and jealousy. My friends, whether you know it or not, the devil tries to take advantage of every opportunity to thwart God's people, to stop to stop something before it can get started. The Bible says in Revelation that while the woman travailed with child, the serpent was waiting for the birth of the baby. The enemy wants to hit everything in its infancy. Anything that it starts, because if he doesn't, it snowballs and breaks his neck and crushes his head. He was trying to nip it in the bud. These people coming out of darkness and coming out of slavery of 400 years and into freedom, one mighty man of God broke down 2 Corinthians 2.11 recently, word from word, word for word from the original Greek language. Remember the context here is about forgiveness versus unforgiveness, which is the, the, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices because many times he'll use unforgiveness in your life against someone else, even justified and rationalized, though it may be to, to take you down or to keep you out of your promised land. But the principle has no limitations. So I want to quote kind of this word study and what the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 means. 
He writes, to the degree that we are ignorant of the ways our adversary thinks and operates, of his plans, plots, schemes, and devices, to that degree he will gain on us, prey on us, defraud us of what is ours and have, or hold the greater portion. We got Wimbledon going on this week. When you tie, it's called deuce. When you prepare for game point, set point, or match point at deuce, it's called advantage. And the advantage is taken hold by the one who understands what's going on. Ignorance is never really bliss. For decades, many in the church of Jesus have apparently taken to the belief that, quote, if we ignore the devil, he'll leave us alone, end of quote. Apparently, they mistakenly thought we could experience peace by practicing detente with the enemy. Now, detente is an old word that most of you probably don't know, but in the 70s, the the presidential Nixon administration made peace with the Russians and the Chinese and called it detente. It literally means a reducing of tensions. But can I tell you that detente was the result or the, the cause of both World War I and World War II because detente is also known as appeasement. That you give the enemy enough to where you think he's satisfied and, he, and you back away thinking he'll leave you alone. And the devil will never leave you alone because you, the moment you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you became a threat to the powers of darkness. That very moment, your life shifted and you became something greater and and found the purpose for God in your life. You have a divine purpose and a destiny and the enemy hates it. In fact, the Bible says that the devil is a fallen angel who used to be a worship leader, the worship leader of heaven. And now he's been reduced to sentence to, to, be, to be crawling upon the earth and to be sentenced to an eternity in hell. And you and I have become the worship leaders. So one, my old pastor used to say, the devil's mad because he, he's an ex-employee of heaven who got mad because you took his job. Understand, it never works well to back away from confrontation in the hope that you'll find peace. In a frightening passage of scripture, God speaks to man's free will and power to choose In Hosea 4, 6, God tells us why we're destroyed. God tells us why we perish too young, too early. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. The ostrich disease, burying your head in the sand, never avails anything good especially when God has called you and I to be watchmen on the wall. We're the intercessors. We're the prayer warriors. We're the ones called to make a difference because we do see the invisible. We do feel it. We do sense it. We do understand it. We can't play let's pretend, la, 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 la. Everything's good in America. La, 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 la. Oh, isn't it great? We stand 
as the only agent with the power of the Holy Spirit that stops darkness from overtaking this world. What a position we have and why, uh, that's why we have to know the truth from the error. We have to know the truth. We have to love the truth. We have to love the word of God. We have to, we have to, we have to pursue God. We have to seek his face. I say it this way. Denial is more than a river in Egypt. When you're going through something, you have to be willing to face the key questions and the key issues. In some churches, the men or the husbands are known as being those who just pretend that problems will just kind of solve themselves and let's kick the can down the road and let's pretend. Not in this church, but in other churches, I hear that men would rather try to find a way not to deal with what's really going on. But some of the key questions we have to ask ourselves and face at this pivotal prophetic time in history, and even in your own life, think of it as an individual. What is at the root of this problem? What do I need to change about my current direction in order to move forward again. See, take it individually, then we can also answer it corporately. This is what the Bible calls repentance. A change of heart and a change of mind that is followed up by a change of direction. And I say this to you on this 4th of July celebration, 2022. It's time to regain the upper hand. It's time to take the advantage. Advantage? Church, not advantage devil. Advantage church, take the advantage back by asking for God's revelation knowledge. Here's how we defeat Amalek. Here's how you defeat the attacks of Satan in your life when you're in the midst of a breakthrough or you're about to get a breakthrough or you just got a breakthrough and you felt like this should be feeling better, you should be doing better, you should be going forward and suddenly the Bible says along came Amalek. By the way, also God pronounced a, a, an eternal curse on Amalek at this point. Though Joshua and the children of Israel won that battle, God said in that day, one day someone will come in, among the children of Israel and utterly destroy the, even the site or the memory of the tribe of Amalek. When God was wanting to be the king of the people of Israel, they demanded an earthly king, if you'll remember, and they got a guy named Saul who looked really good. He was handsome, he was tall, um, he, he, he looked good on the outside. He was, he was the perfect king externally. But in the very first thing God gave him to do, God said, I want you to be the one to utterly destroy Amalek. And Saul apparently didn't read the scriptures. He didn't go to find out what all that meant because on the day that they 
overcame them and overthrew them. He let the king of Amalek live and he let a lot of the choice uh, sacrifices live only to say to Samuel, well, I did it so I could sacrifice more appropriately. And Samuel said, because you didn't understand what you were supposed to do and carry it out, you're gonna lose the kingdom today and God will appoint another. Another came along named David. Thank God for David, amen? Understand that this unprovoked attack was something more to God. And it's something more to God when you get hit blindsided. When you're, when you're prevailing or you're winning or you finally get a breakthrough you've been believing for, you've been thirsty for God and now the thirst is quenched and you finally get a breakthrough and the enemy comes along to hit you from the blind side, God takes it seriously on your behalf as well. But here's some strategies on defeating Amalek and then I'm done. Number one, Moses went to the top of the hill. In fact, 24 hours before it, Moses said, this time tomorrow, I'm going to the top of the hill. In other words, he premeditated, he planned, I'm gonna go spend time with God in the high places. I'm gonna go pray, I'm gonna find a vantage point. Listen, how many times do we find Jesus walking at the seashore or walking in the mountains to pray and spend time with his father? And thankfully, 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 by the providence and wisdom and strategy of God, he didn't go alone. Moses took some helpers. He took his key associates with him, Aaron and a guy named Her. <laughs> Fill in your own joke. <clears throat> so Moses took a new position. Number two, Moses took a new position to watch and pray. He, he showed us, he was watching what was going on. He could see what was going on in the, in the field on the battlefield, he could see it, he took a high place, he took a vantage point, he got a, he got a perspective of what's going on, and then he began to lift up his authority. He lifted up the rod of God, he lifted up that rod, the symbol of his spiritual authority, and he interceded, we might call it warfare prayer. That's what we believe in around here. There are moments when we call it fifth gear prayer. Sometimes, you know, for, if first gear is the blessing of the food, and second gear is now I lay me down to sleep, Fifth gear is ha! It is praying with groanings that cannot be uttered in man's language. While his hands were up, I remind you, Joshua and Israel were winning the fight in the natural. They were battling, they were prevailing, they were winning, they were cutting down the enemy left and right. But when tiredness hit, as it hits everybody, all of us, all leaders, all humans, all people, when tiredness hit, his hands fell down. And Amalek began to, began to win. That's why we do special things like our summer holidays when we do one combined service at 10 a.m., it's for a reason. Because you can get so worn out. You know the early days of now church when we were spirit life back in the beginning days? We had church on Sunday morning. We had church on Sunday night, six o'clock. We had uh, service on Tuesday night at seven or 7.15 we used to do. We had prayer meeting every Friday night. And that went on 
That schedule went on for approximately 12 years. First 12 years of the church. And suddenly I woke up one day and I wasn't 29 anymore. 12 years after we started the church, I woke up at 41 and said, wait a second, there's gotta be a better way than this. I'm getting exhausted here. I think we're driving the people. We need to make sure there's freedom. Make sure there's space. Some people will say, well, I, I wanna come to church more. That's awesome. We want you to want more. That's why we're not having Wednesday night services for the month of July. Give people a break. Give people a rest. A lot of people on vacation anyway. It's called being strategic. Listen, when the, hand, when the hands fall, the devil is winning. Remember when Elijah ran from Jezebel and the angel Lord came and, 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 and gave him some angel food cake, remember that? Gave him cake and then gave him a nap, right? My, my pastor Steve Kelly says, take a break and eat some cake. Sometimes that's what you need. That's July, except this ice cream month. So, you know, do that. <laughs> Brother Fred is over there. It's a hallelujah, it's ice cream month. I know, I know Pastor Tristan, he, 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 like, he likes ice cream even in winter, but he will devour some ice cream in July, I promise you. Amen. Seeking whom he may devour. Anyway, no, 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 that's, no, that's the enemy. That's not God. Let me ask you this, how's the momentum in your current battle? What are you facing in your life and are you willing to face and confront the actual issues? And are you willing to face the fact that you may need to change? You may need to repent or you're just gonna keep denying it. Well, it's, it's gonna get better. I just believe it all works out for good. Well, it does all work out for good for those who love God and those who are the called according to his purpose. How's the momentum in your current battle? Are you tired, feeling worn out, or exhausted? This is why we need to be together as the body of Christ with each other. Aaron and her were a type of the helpers, a type of help from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called our helper. Our God is a present help in time of trouble. My friend, the next point is this, the tide turned when the helpers propped up Moses' hands. Aaron and her noticed a pattern and went into action. Wait a second, every time his hands fall, we're losing. We need to get those hands up. We need to lift the hands of our leader and, and, and prop him up if we have to. We need to sit him down on a rock and prop him up. And the Bible says, until the going down of the sun, they kept his hands up. And when they did, they prevailed. Ironically, Rephidim in the Hebrew literally means support. Support. It was the place of support. It was the place of help. How many know where two shall agree on earth as touching anything they ask? It shall be done by our Father which is in heaven. And so I say, part of the victory is this. At this moment, you need to be doing one of two things no matter what battle you're facing. You need to be doing one of two things. 
Number one, get help if you're Moses. Number two, be a helper if you're Aaron or her. Either get help or be a helper. Well, I'm, my life is going fine right now, Pastor. I'm not really in a battle, so I'm just, just trying to pretend like everything's fine for everybody else. No, you don't understand. The, 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 the invisible realm is raging right now. No matter what's happening with you, you can have a great day. You can have a, you can have a great day or you can have a, a hellstorm day, but you've got to get to the place where you're not reacting to that. You need to get help or be a helper. Because the battle isn't primarily in what you see or what you feel, it's in the invisible realm. And you have to pull yourself up to be a watchman on the hill, to be a watchman on the wall, and to lift those hands and to lift that rod of authority. The battle isn't primarily what you see or feel, it's in the invisible realm. The invisible realm is more real than what you see or what you feel. Please, open your eyes, open your heart, let God work with you. Be an instrument of the Holy Spirit, a vessel of honor and a vessel of God because the battle is raging. And the only way we lose is if we ignore the problem and give the devil the advantage. The only way we lose is if we quit. We gotta stop treating the symptoms of what's going on in the world and deal with the root causes by the help of the Holy Spirit. Be a helper. Finally this. Freedom is never free. Someone has to pay the price to go up and pray. And someone has to go to the battlefield of confrontation with the enemy. It took Moses, Aaron, and her to do their part. And it took Joshua to do his part with the children of Israel to conquer Amalek. My friends, Jesus is our Joshua. In fact, if you know the Hebrew name for Jesus, that Jesus is the Greek word, the, the Gentile word, but our Savior in Hebrew, his name is Joshua, Yeshua, Yeshua. Jesus is our Joshua. His name in Hebrew, Yeshua or Hosea. They all kind of come from the same thing. Jesus paid the ultimate price to set you free from every attack of the enemy. Demons have no power over Jesus. But you and I have got to get back to the mountains, get back to watching on the wall, watching, watching, and praying. What's our takeaway? Let's get ready to, by getting humble, so we don't stumble, bumble, fumble, jumble, or take a tumble. Get ready to Roomba. On this holiday weekend, the greatest explosion won't happen in the sky as fireworks displayed all over our area. The greatest explosion is about to happen right now when one person opens their heart to the living God, crosses from death to life, and the angels in heaven stop everything they're doing to have a party. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we are not ignorant 
of the enemy's devices. And we choose to climb the mountain. We, we choose to get to the top of the hill with you, with your presence. And we choose prevailing prayer. We choose to trust in you, our God, no matter how everything looks, no matter how everything looks in the natural, no matter what's happening in our nation. We thank you that your power and your might are real and true. Holy Spirit, right now, we ask you to move in this place. And everyone connecting with us in our online campus, we say this is the day when your eyes are opened. This is the day when your heart comes alive. This is the day of revival, the day of breakthrough, the day where the water of God comes from his rock and that rock is Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, no one looked around for just a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never known Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You've never really made that jump from hope, believing that there's a God, but to faith, knowing that Jesus is that Son of God who loves you more than life itself. He loves you more than you know. He loves you more than you love yourself. He wants better for you than you want for yourself. And his plan is better. Or maybe you've come here today and you've been, we'll address this more next week, but maybe you've been in compromise. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those people who likes to keep kind of one foot in the theology of worldliness and one foot in the theology of, of the word of God. You wanna, you wanna play both sides depending on what group of friends you're with. My friends, I'm telling you, God is saying this is not the time to blend in. This is the time we have to stand out by standing up. There is a fresh anointing coming upon the body of Christ and I believe this summer is a strategic part of what God wants to do for these next few years. And part of, it, part of it is that we align ourselves with what God is saying, with what God is doing, and pull ourselves back away from everything the world is screaming about. We keep our eyes on the master. Maybe you've been trying to play both sides. Uh, today, it, this is really strong in my spirit. As Elijah stood on the mountainside to challenge the prophets of Baal to a duel. He called the children of Israel, the people of God together for a corporate meeting and he said this, if the Lord is God, then serve him with everything you've got. And if he's not, if you think Baal is God, if you think Jezebel is a goddess, then by all means, go serve them and see what you get on the other side. But the God of power, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of might, the God of faithfulness, the God of strength is rising in this hour for whosoever will believe and invite him in. This is the moment to quit playing games. If you're here today and you say, I need Jesus in my life in a brand new way, I'm just gonna say it like I got it. 
Stand up where you are. If you want me to pray for you, you want to give your life to Jesus, stand up and be counted where you are. If you want to come out of that backslidden condition and playing games with God, stand up wherever you are. If you want to quit being on, you know, they, they say if, you, if, you, if, if a person has one foot on a boat and one foot on a dock, eventually he's going to have to make a decision. Because otherwise that boat in the water is going to float away. You're going to end up being a banana split. This is the moment. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you at home and anybody else. Quit playing games. Quit trying to pretend for mama and daddy. Quit trying to play, play the game when you come to church. This is about reality. This is the moment where you make your stand. Are you going to play on God's team? Or are you going to keep going the ways of darkness? Stand up if you want to live for God in that way, in a brand new way right now. Father, I pray for every person who's standing, every person whose hand is raised or standing in their homes right now or in that hotel room right now. I come against every lie of the enemy. And I pray that today, that this revelation, that they would pass from death to life. Lord, today, your word says that when one person truly crosses over from that, that unregenerated part and that unregenerated humanity of sinful flesh into a supernatural being indwelt by the Holy Spirit that all of heaven rejoices. Today, Father, we thank you for those who are making this stand and we pray for them. We surround them with your precious blood and we pray for their minds and their thoughts and their dreams and their future. And we pray that you reveal Jesus to them in greater measure and in greater way. We pray for the next new generation rising. We pray that you would raise them up, that you would strengthen them and let us be a church that empowers them without shame or fear. Those of you standing and everyone around them and everyone at home, say this out loud right where you are. Just say, Jesus, I want you in my life. Come and fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Change me. Help me to move forward again. I want to live for you, but I need your presence and I need your power and I need your word. Come and fill me now. Help me to be a prayer warrior, to make a difference with my faith. In Jesus' name, I proclaim the battle is the Lord's and because it is, I win. In Jesus, amen, amen. Everybody get up on your feet and praise God. Come on and praise God. Come on and praise Him, somebody. Come on and shout. Come on and celebrate. This is, there's a party in heaven right now over those five or six people that stood right there and the ones at home that you don't even see. Come on, praise him. Jesus, we live for you. We love you. Woo! Praise God. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.